Yay, Jacqueline, can you hear me? Hello. Can you hear <laughs> nice. me? Yes, yes, I can. Can you hear me good? Perfect. Yes. Yay. All right, good. Ladies and gents, welcome to uh, MD Podcast. And um, I just want to say thanks to everybody that's been supporting um, season one all the way through season four. 70, season, um, 70 episodes deep. And by the time you guys hear this, this will be on season five. And um, uh, before we get into the guest... Uh, I just want to even explain how I met her. Um, and these people are important because I, I feel like the people that you meet in this journey of music, it's important. They're, they're important, you know? So I was doing a show called The Catch-Up Show, Shasta Janice and the whole the whole crew, you know? Um, and she was in the chat room, like, interacting with us while I was performing. Cousin was clowning me. And... Um, I, I after that I added her because I I always feel like it's important man to add the people that support you and people that like your music it's important to like to personally say say thanks to them you know that's how you build a following and all that but um, as I got to know her it's I'm really delighted that she is a special ed teacher in San Diego and she also is a hip-hop head just like me and her roots as a DJ is something that I really wanted to like discuss tonight too um ladies and gents i don't want to talk too much it's not about me tonight um and by the way this is these are the type of guests that that's perfect for my show because um i love interviewing my fellow hip-hop heads that evolved into something greater like for a greater cause like don't get me wrong hip-hop djing MCing is great but if we can help out the kids, I think we're even better. You know what I'm saying? So without no further ado, ladies and gents, we got Mrs. Jacqueline Simeon. Did I say it right? Yes. 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 Hello. <laughs> I'm really thankful that you uh, you made time. Um, uh, I always ask all my guests, where were you born and raised? So um, I was born in the Philippines, in nice. Baguio, Baguio City. Nice. So I'm Ilocano. <laughs> yeah, represent, represent. Whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa. yeah. And then, um, so uh, you know, I'm a Navy, a Navy baby or whatever. And um, we came to the states after um, a year. And my dad was stationed in Virginia, so we lived there for about five years. And then he was stationed to San Diego. And so, as so as many other Filipinos, you know, right. fathers in the Navy, mother was a nurse, that kind of, um, that kind of uh, setup. But yeah, and you know, I got a big smile right now when you were doing the introduction because I know exactly what you were talking about on the Ketchup Show. Um, I do moderate for for Janice and on Twitch, and I yeah. do remember, I remember clowning you, and I go, you know what? I need to check you out on. Instagram yeah. on IG and when I saw your story working with the with the special needs kids <laughs> I said oh sh you know what yeah he yeah. works with kids <laughs> and that's ladies and gents like that was the connection like oh I gotta keep in touch with her because that's that's awesome um yo so do you remember a lot about the Philippines or or Virginia um what I do remember about Virginia are the four seasons and mm. I don't know but life was uh, it was great out there. I don't. We. I remember going to Virginia Beach and catching crabs in a cage, and I remember the snow climbing up to our second-story home. And um, but 
Yeah, it was, it was weather. Weather is different because San Diego, no matter what season it is, it's it's a small range. But there, it was extreme. So you arrived in San Diego when you were five years old. Yes. Wow, ask the native for real. Yeah, Paradise I it, Hills. <laughs> I love rapping, y'all. To all my South heads, what up? What up? Um, cool. So you came out here. How was it like for your family to migrate from from Virginia from Virginia to SD? What was your first thoughts, or what was your mom and dad's first impressions of the city? Oh, oh I'm so sorry. I got a dog no. out here. Hold on one <laughs> it's moment. All right. <laughs> Hello. <Yeah. laughs> we're back. We're back. <laughs> um, so. So we were talking about your mom and dad's first thoughts of San Diego or your first thought. Do you have siblings? I forgot to ask. I do. I have one okay, younger cool. sister. And um, no, we have a, we had a very baby um, in Paradise Hills. It was no huge. No doubt. No doubt. Huge. No um, doubt. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyone familiar with uh, Bell Junior High and Morris High School, that mm. whole entire community down there. So... Growing up in San Diego, um, let's talk about hip hop. I, I want to talk about hip hop because I know before you became a special ed teacher, you're also DJ Orchid, right? Yes. <laughs> Can, am I allowed to say that? Am I allowed yes. to say yes, that? Yes, sure. Yeah? sure. <laughs> um, My alter ego. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And I think a lot of times we repress our alter ego throughout the day because we got to be corporate, you know, but. I think who people really are is after when they get off. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about hip hop. What was the first hip hop song you ever heard that that really made an impact on you? Like, oh shit, you know? Um, well, I started out. Oh, you're gonna know how old I am now. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, you know, it was just the radio back then, and I had cassette tapes. And it kind of segued, yeah. segued that way because um, I love New Edition, and you know, and, and they do a, they do a little rapping on New Edition. Yeah, they do, they do. Um, and that that goes way back. But as I got a little bit older, I want to say like after high school, college, um, I really, really liked Tribe Called Quest. Nice, and nice, so nice. a lot of East Coast music out of New York. I gravitated towards it. Um, what was the first hip hop video that you saw that you were just like, oh man, that, that I mean, impacted you as, as it, a fan? It would have to be LL Cool J. Which one? Which video? Um, well, I don't know. <laughs> this might be kind of silly, but he had a he had like a duet with J Lo. Oh, that one, that one. Yeah, and I just I remember I remember J Lo in it and and all her designer clothes and handbags <laughs> and everything um but then i got to see him live so it was great but yeah it would be but let's bit... say like um i'm sorry let's say like your junior high years or elementary years what was like the hip-hop groups you remember in san diego like what was san diego hip-hop stations playing out here growing up you know um it was a little bit more r&b but mm. I, I was talking to somebody way back then because there were some local artists and you know mm. we live so close to mexico mm -hmm. uh there was a group and um i don't know if you've heard of them legion of doom lod mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. i really really like their music i ever i wonder whatever happened to them and Dope. um <laughs> 
And um, other than that, you know, we we had a lot of R&B, though. So uh, I remember our principal, I think he brought, I can't remember if it was Troop. Uh, to our junior high <laughs> no way Belgian, yes he had connections and so he brought troop yeah I, I no way yeah did they do all i do think of you live yeah they wow. it was like a concert dope um all right so okay let's say like you, your junior high years were you watching mtv raps oh, were yeah. you watching okay cool all so the time. And I, and I guess when I interview my fellow DJs, I always I, I try to dig in into their musical taste, you know, mm-hmm. because like I believe who affected you and touched you in your younger years is gonna have an impact on on who you select to play, you know, like. Um, you know, okay. yeah, for me, it didn't really happen till till later on when in life. Um, yeah, until I want to say like I I kind of got out of you know living at home Mm. um but um definitely you know djs wise like dilla dj premiere yeah so my my favorite um gangstar oh okay yo yo are you killing me you're killing me you're killing me but you know because i love r&b too i i kind of like had like crossing over a bit so okay. like i i love slum village i love dilated peoples no I, you did not say yeah dilated. yeah did she say dilated all right sorry <laughs> you're you're the best you're hey listen to me you're the best special ed teacher ever that listens to dilated all right keep going yeah so yeah it wasn't till later but anything that had like you know you could have a hardcore rapper on but during the chorus if you had like a a a female that was doing a melodic groove like i like that i like that little crossover type thing so because i love sade so (laughs) (laughs) okay let's talk about djing who was the first dj that you saw growing up in the hood or whether it was tv who was the first dj that you saw that you're like i want to do that it would be DJ Premier. Nice. And around what age did you start tinkering around, messing with the turns? See, so yeah, that didn't happen till I don't ha- uh, until like outside of high school, and Dope. only because like I don't know. I so there are two girls in my family, myself and my sister, and I never had an older brother. I always wanted an older brother. Like yeah. I, I think I was always looking for an older brother, and so um, I never had access to any of the equipment, to to anything. So, um, you know, early on in college, going to pa- parties and house parties, I would just kind of like, hey, can I can I jump on? Can I play around with this? Can I, you know, mess around with it? And yeah. so, um, yeah, er- early college, um, all the house parties, I would I would ask them, you know, can I, can I play around? <laughs> and so when I, you know, I was a um, teacher assistant. So right outside, after high school, while I was going to college, I was going to um, Southwestern College and then San Diego State. Um, my full-time job was a teacher's aide. Nice. So with my income, I decided, hey, I'm, I'm going to buy my own equipment. And I bought myself two turntables and a mixer. Good and shit. I, yeah, and I think that was in 19... Let me see here. I'm going to date myself again. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. Um, 
I want to mm-hmm. say like in the early 1990s. Nice. Yeah. So, so um, oh, like like right. 90, 1992, 93. Dope, dope, dope. When, when, the, when the chronic was out. When yes. The chronic was oh, out. I, you know, I talked about <coughs> Coast, but I do have to say, like, that was that's the one of the best albums of all time. Even though I love East Coast, the Chronic's one of the best albums. Oh, yeah, I have to oh, say. Yeah. For like a 1992 album, it was the the production and the quality was nothing we've ever heard. It was super clean. Um, oh yeah. Uh, let me see. Okay, so you started really DJing after high school, and you saved up your own cash and bought. Your- <laughs> Bless so you. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna edit all that out. Um, okay. Uh, so you got your equipment and what was like your vinyl collection what was like the first vinyl you had to buy like yo I gotta get this shit okay so um, I kind of want to like backtrack a little bit yeah um, I'm a big consumer yeah <laughs> when I say that I, I love to shop um, I, <laughs> I, I love to co- I love to collecting I'm a collector yeah. so believe it or not I had yeah. all these Star Wars collections I had yeah. all these like um, oh my god it's NBA funny. upper deck cards I just <laughs> no you did not yeah. do you, I had do you those little hogs yeah do you still have them do you still have the basketball yeah, cards yeah I do I do. I do too. I have all of them. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I have figures too. I, I have the Dude. I have figures. I got yeah. all the basketball. You got you had pods? I got uh-huh. pods too. Yeah. Um, I, I'm scared because I'm a hoarder, kids. right? <laughs> but I'm a major consumer. So when it came to vinyl and when it came to records, um, I did spend a lot of money on records. Um I don't have it all now. I've donated a lot of it, but I've kept the ones that I felt like had value or had some sentimental meaning or meant a lot to me. So a couple crates. Um, and mind you, when you're spinning vinyl and you're a DJ back then, you know, you had doubles. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. so none of this like, you know, Serato technology, like I, I had doubles for almost all my favorite records. And um, so, um, honestly, to kind of cheat as a DJ back then, the kind of records I had is uh, record, like uh, record companies would have, or no, um, in the store they would have these kind of like DJ preset records that had kind of songs in them that had like eight and 16 counts that were easy to blend into, or which you could come in and out with. And I forgot what they're called, if they were called, Um, but I would buy a lot of those. Nice. And they would have like, um, you know, like three tracks on one side, on the other side. Um, and it would be like your bangers, you know? And then you could right. just like, you can just blend them in because you didn't have to like wait for the drop or wait for where, okay, this is where the bass comes or whatever. Like it was so easy to kind of like um, transition from one to the next. I love it. Ladies and gents, this, <laughs> this is this is dope. All right. Um, you went to San Diego State. How was that experience like for you? Well, being Filipino, I joined the org, of course. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Um, the um, Oh, yeah. Friendship Hell Games, yeah. Sports Fest. Um, it, I, I want to say I had a great experience. It was the best. I didn't I, I didn't live on campus. I, I still lived at home. But, um, yeah, it was great. Nice. Um as far as like your first gigs, what was the first set of gigs you were you were get like? What were you where were you DJing at? Like, 
in college? Um, so I started, um, you know, I kind of like bounced around. Um, yeah. But I, I was, I, I want to say I didn't really, I, I did belong to one promotion, prom- what do we call them? Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Sin City. Um, and Sin City is kind of based out in Mira Mesa, and I'm here down from Southside. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you, you go to the clubs, and I was a frequent, I went to the clubs. I went w- Wednesday, I'd go Thursday, Thursday to, no, Wednesday to PB. Thursday, I first, TJF Fridays hanging out. Friday downtown, Saturday downtown. I And so. And those I, were the gigs you were spinning? Um, the gigs I were spinning were um, through through Sin City and so we had some we had some gigs that back then in downtown there was a place called Brick by Brick yeah um doesn't exist anymore I want I can't remember what's there now um and then also in Sports Arena they had a bar down there um I I had a gig over there um nice at the Red Lion Hotel in Mission Valley I think when it was Red Lion I had a couple gigs there too and then a couple places up in La Jolla, I can't, I can't remember Duh. anymore. You uh, <laughs> my old flyers or something. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to. I want to yeah. see. I want to see. <laughs> and I want to ask about the name. How'd you get the name DJ Orchid? Yeah, that was. I didn't That's know any better. I didn't know any better. But um, no, my I like it. And I, my friends and I. I think I was twenty-one. We all decided to get tattoos <laughs> and for fun. Yeah. And I didn't know the difference. I wanted to get a Hawaiian flower or whatnot. So I asked for a tattoo thinking it was an orchid. And so I got a tattoo. Um, Well, to me, it's an orchid. But then later on, I was corrected. It's kind of like a hibiscus, but it could look like an orchid. (laughs) And my promoter, he would clown me all the time. He would would call me DJ Petunia. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, Okay. Let's talk about your journey to becoming a special ed teacher. So, you gra- what, what, would, what did you major in in San Diego State University? So, uh, San Diego State, I majored in something called communicative disorders, which is really the bachelor's degree you need to become a speech and language pathologist. Nice. Um, you need to obtain a master's to become a speech um, therapist, but nice. the bachelor's to get is called communicative disorders. Nice. Um, so, I did that, and after that, I realized. Um, I wouldn't have a classroom so I don't know what it was but I I knew I always wanted to be a teacher because when I was young and we were kids in my neighborhood I would gather all the kids in my garage and uh, hand out um, a bunch of worksheets that my elementary school teacher gave me over summer because he didn't want to throw them away and I said I'll take them (laughs) and so I took them and I played school with the kids in our neighborhood in Paradise Hills and um, I was always, you know, saying, hey, everybody come to my class. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Um, so I realized I wanted a classroom and thought, hey, I have everything I need to be a special ed teacher with my prerequisites and all the classes I took with my bachelor's degree. So um, I went on to National University to get the special education credential mm-hmm. along with the multi-subject, which means I can also teach regular kindergarten uh, kindergarten through six, but special ed, I can teach kinder through 12th grade. And so, um, that way I would have a classroom, my own, my own class. So that's why I did that. I lo- so whose classroom was that that you took over that they were like, yo, when to come, when to take over the classroom, was that like another class? Oh, you, you uh, said so- I, uh-huh. 
Um, are you talking about, no, I was talking about like um, when I was younger and my elementary school teacher would have extra worksheets and I would be like in sixth grade. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And he would want to throw the worksheets away and I said, don't throw them away, give them to me. And you so were just kind of like. Yeah, 12 years old in my garage, <laughs> telling all the kids in my neighborhood, come to my garage. We are going to play school. And then after that, we're going to bust out the cardboard and do break dancing. <laughs> so you and kinda, we're going to play music. Yeah. So you always kind of had a, a, a passion for teaching early on. Like you kind of oh, yeah. you wanted to do teaching, not necessarily even special ed, but just teaching. You know what I'm saying? Teaching, but then, um, but then something about me, I don't know, my heart is always with the un with the under um underrepresented population yeah for sure so i don't know what it is i have a soft spot for those who like everyone else gives up on so if there's no hope like their general teacher doesn't know how to work with them their parents give up on whoever gives up on whoever like i'm like bring it in i i want to be there And, and i don't know what that's just my personality is um i gravitate toward those that have special needs because I feel like they all, they all have something to offer that oh, yeah. everyone just doesn't know about. They haven't discovered it. But those kids are gifted in some way. It may not be academics, but but you know, they they have a talent. You just have to find it. Educational system. Um, it doesn't really like uh, fa- you know facilitate that or promote it. So after you got your uh, um, you got your master's in national university, you said right. Mm-hmm. So after that, you um, you got your credentials, special ed credentials, mm-hmm. and then you just started teaching right away, right? Well, the thing about special ed, and I hope people who are wondering if that that you know this is for them, you're always going to have a job. Mm-hmm. So right away, fresh out of college, like they needed somebody. There's mm-hmm. constantly openings, like mm-hmm. you, no matter where you go. No mm-hmm. matter what city, no matter around the nation, there's gonna be an opening for special education. Yes. Oh yeah. my God, for real. Yeah. Uh huh. So you right out of National University, you work right away. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. And if you don't mind me asking, what year did you graduate National? And you got your master's in what again? Um, I got my master's in special education. So I graduated in um, 1998. (laughs) Nice. And I'm sorry, I I didn't mean to like, you know, I'm not trying to... It's fine. You know. So you you graduated in 98 and started teaching right away. Wow. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. Uh, Special ed. uh, Are children with special needs, um, especially autism, What's the top three things you have learned in your experience in teaching that that is needed in the special ed classrooms? I, I, let, me, let me rephrase this. What's the top three effective ways to work with kids with autism, in your opinion? Well, autism is different from, I guess, the other underlying disabilities you have, but for autism, you need like a routine schedule yeah yes yes like, definitely I love like, it. Yeah. yeah yeah you and it needs yeah, to be yeah. imp- it, and it needs to be implemented consistently mm-hmm. daily like, yes yeah oh my god it, yeah it has to be predictable for them and and the more visual like with pictures or photos or whatever the better yeah and then so um 
And then your consequences, your behaviors, or your rewards and consequences also have to be consistent. You can't switch up on them. You can't change anything. <laughs> um, what has been the challenge? Okay, you know this is a crazy world we're living in right now. These are these are some crazy times. Yes. And, yes. Uh, let's talk about 2020 and then 2021. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, the pandemic shut everything down, including the schools. What have been the challenges coming back into it? For for me, it's um, I have a lot of anxiety coming back only yeah. because um, the pandemic's not over, mm. and um, it's it's at its peak again, right? And you know, and and kids, you can't. I mean, it's so sad, but who who would have ever thought? Part of their daily routine is to put hand sanitizer on all the time and, and leave a mask on for like six hours. Like, like to ask a kindergarten, a four or five year old to leave their mask on for six hours and to constantly know to put hand sanitizer is is different. It's hard for them, you yeah, know? Man, yeah. And so that's changed. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm used to like the, the little kids like holding their hand when I'm walking them to to um on you know they're on the line <laughs> yeah to, to to lunch or whatnot or you know i'm used to like helping them um tie their shoes or giving them high five and like now it's really no contact it's yeah. different it's it's hard and then for them socialization is really hard they're not used mm. to socializing anymore mm. and so you have to start over with that and I mean, the bigger focus is now social emotional learning. It's not really like, hey, let's jump and do math or mm-hmm. reading. We got to uh, work on their um, mental health first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of things happen in the home, too. And the parents, they're seeing things that their parents are going through. They're seeing family members that are sick, too. And then they're having to be caretakers when I when I was online. My sixth graders, I felt bad. They were the ones taking care of their mom. Damn, dude, that's crazy. Um, what have been what has been the most challenging moments for you during the pandemic when when it was time to do social distance learning? Like, what was difficult about that? You know, jeez. I mean, I, it's it's so obvious what it, what's what's difficult about these things, but I want to hear from the teacher's perspective. I think when they're young like that, you know, um, play is actually really important, especially oh, yeah. kin- kinder, first and second. Um, their their mind is still growing. They need to explore and learn. And play is very important. And when you are expected to sit in front of a screen for, for at least four and a half hours, you know, That's all that crazy. screen time, sitting still is really hard. <laughs> and um, and then the technology, you know, I... I don't want to just speak for um you know i've heard through all districts i mean just getting those laptops and headphones and and internet connection to all the families that needed it is hard Uh, the district i work at you know some families didn't have internet we had to give them hotspots. right 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 yeah some parents couldn't stay home from work they were bringing their kids to work i i could see their parents jobs in the background <laughs> so it's so sad i always wondered how america got uh, like i always tripped out on how the u.s got through that crazy time because i mean yeah some parents can't afford tutors 
Some parents can't afford home care providers while they're at work, but some can't. You know, like I always wondered how did the, how does this work? You know, what I'm saying like, how how do you just leave your job? You can't you can't leave your job. You know, that's crazy to me too. Um, ladies and gents, I think in my opinion, as a as a home care provider doing ABA therapy for years, I I just think all the children regressed. And I really don't blame them. <laughs> I I don't blame them. I'm, the the circumstances. How, what can you do? You know. Yeah, you know, I'm, I I can see that. Like, and and that's great that you know you know ABA therapy because that's a special skill. Um, ABA. Um, ABA. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very special. Um, and so, yeah, if you have that certification, that's that you know, that's a step up. That's like a level up um, with supporting our students with autism. Thank you. And I yeah. think teachers, teachers during these crazy times, I think it's very underrated. Like what you guys do and what you guys had to go through during the pandemic, it's not easy. And I give you guys props, man. Um, let me ask you this: What has been challenging for you as far as dealing with parents? Has it been easy? Did you have to kind of like, you know? <laughs> no, it it was it was easy because um you know as long as you keep uh, really strong communication with them, communication's key. Yeah. So as long as you communicate with them and uh, they know that you have their child's best interest, like you know yeah. you care they that you care about their child. And you work together as a team, you know, that if you can do that, it's no problem. And, you know, they will have concerns and questions, but you just need to communicate. And it's only because maybe they don't understand or they don't, um, you know, they're trying to process it or or figure out, okay, how's this work? How, you know, how's my kid doing? Um, You know, what if what if they're not able to log on by themselves? Just like certain, there's a lot of technical issues also. But with the little ones, it's hard for them to get online by themselves. They need to have someone next to them. Um, I say that a lot because I, I have sixth grade right now. So the young ones, it's more of a challenge with the younger ones and the older ones. Mm. What have you learned about yourself as a teacher during these during these times? Um, are you learning? I, I love my job and honestly I feel like I can deliver it both in person and online um, nice yeah I, I, I don't have you know what's crazy is I actually had students that flourish and did so well online too um, nice. and yeah and were they're like now reading above grade level after after learning online and um, I'm you know I wish there were a lot more research studies that have you know, we're sometimes that um, direct, um, it's more of a direct instruction, but they're almost both forced to focus mm-hmm. um, at the screen. And then it's your, you know, your one-to-one communication. I, I don't know. So it worked for some kids that um, they don't do well with a whole classroom distraction. So let's just say they're in a class and there's like 20, 30 other kids. That's so distractible. And then they have the pressure of socialization because they're they they don't have social skills whereas where you on where you're online you have the visual component you can see you have the audio component you can hear right 
the mm-hmm. tactile is you know touching your keyboard so you have all three multi-modalities right and then you're focused with the kid they don't have to stress and worry about being social they don't have to worry about lunch recess pe they don't have to worry about standing up in front of a a, a classroom and do an oral presentation wow. and and then i can show them videos of you know you know high frequency words multisyllabic words put it in a song put it in a rap <laughs> nice you know multiplication rap things like that and they took off Dope. so yeah i had both uh, some did really well and for all those tuning in um what grade are you teaching right now i i still have all grades nice so yeah so how does that what do you mean by all how does that work when you say all grades so right now i don't have a special day class a special day class is a self-contained class where i am yeah. one teacher and then i have like a classroom i'm what you're called a rsp or resource specialist mm-hmm. and so the students i have um they have a regular general education teacher like a, yes. kind of like a homeroom Yes, um, yes, but yes, they yes. have these iep goals so they have you. these goals that they need to work on um and so i'm more of the academic component of it because if they do have any social emotional you've got your school psychologist and then if they have any speech and language you've got your speech therapist and then you got your occupational therapist and your adaptive pe specialist so um i you know work with reading writing and math and if they have specific goals in that that's when i service them and according to their iep depending on how many minutes are on there which the iep is a legal document how many minutes are on there i service them those minutes so and and so my minutes range from you know 30 minutes a session a day to two hours a day depending and my caseload can go up to 28 students wow. and i have all grade levels yeah i love it because you give them <laughs> that one uh, i love it because you give them that one-on-one that they need um yeah yeah so, so yeah Sorry, I mean, I, I'm passionate about both, so I don't know how to bridge the worlds together. So I keep both, I keep both lives totally separate. <laughs> like music, music yeah. and education. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was gonna say like, sometimes these students don't even know that we're a kid at heart. Oh, they, yeah. they they look at us like we're adults that maybe sometimes we can kill the fun because oh, it's time to do math, but they have no idea that. Like Miss Miss Simeon is like a kid at heart and the hip hop head for real. Like, oh my even, gosh! So I gotta tell you about my sixth graders. I love it <laughs> because okay, with my sixth graders before we hop on, um, kind of like our Zoom Teams meeting, you know, I let them hang out and they can create a playlist and it's nice because they'll throw out you know artists and songs that they want. And I'll take the list and what I'll do is I'll look for your clean version, make sure it's not explicit or I'll, or I'll get the, I'll get the instrumentals, but it's nice because I know the music they're listening to and I know the artists and I, I know the lyrics. So it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so like, we'll have that. We're like, you know what? It's our, it's the time we're going to hang out before and let's just uh, share some music. And when it's like our break time, you have to have breaks with students with special needs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They need breaks. They can't go on for more than, you know, they can't even sit down for a whole 30 minutes. So <laughs> break time, you know, I've done a TikTok with them. I've done. Nice. A, yeah. I, and so and I'll play the music if they want certain music and it's all kinds, you know, they 
the the stuff though sometimes i can't find you know they've got it on soundcloud these kids because sometimes i won't find it like in just your apple music or anything so um but i know but i know, you know what you're listening uh, to yeah you know it's, so uh, um would so I ever... love it. I love the older kids because, yeah, we can, I can vibe with them. Would you ever DJ a school dance? Yeah, I would, but I'm not equipped to do that. But yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll get there someday. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why do you say you're not equipped to do that? Because of the Serratos thing? Or okay, you... so, so yeah, I guess, um, I guess like the question is, is okay, I DJed back in 1998, or well, before that, and then I got this serious professional job. So, so what happened was, yeah, I, I have my two turntables, um, yeah. the classic 1200s nice. te- techniques, and then I've got my old school Vestex 07. Dope, dope. It's a mixer, it's not a controller, so it doesn't have any so um so back so what i'm used to doing is really just um your old school hip-hop like dj with straight vinyl straight up uh, and that's how, yeah pre-serato pre-serato oh, no days doubt. yeah and so all that is all, all that is new to me and um this is i mean i don't have a lot of regrets because i did i did stop DJing only because I saw it as a, a hobby and you know back then I didn't think about it as oh I could I could actually really do something with this yeah. and that's why I put a hundred percent into to my profession and I then I also it. yeah and then also became a mother and so like you know I had to choose because I, w- I was still DJing while I was a mother so I was DJing when my daughter was like still six months old Mm-hmm. Uh, I was out there and <laughs> and I'm telling you I'd come home at four in the morning and I had a baby and I'm going I can't be out every weekend coming home at four in the morning I have a baby and you know I mean this is too much information but if you're breastfeeding and you have to breastfeed <laughs> them every every three hours and I'm out there in the club like I am like engorging <laughs> leaking while I'm DJing it's just not it just doesn't go you know how, 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 many, how many kids do you how many kids do you have so I how have many, two two girls right now and I'm just uh, uh, I'm living vicariously through them right now in fact um, I have a different attitude when it comes to whatever they want to do with their future because because I understand what it is to be passionate about something I totally want them to go for that so I'm not telling them you gotta be a nurse or you gotta be a doctor or you gotta be a teacher like like my younger one just wants to like be an artist and I don't know do makeup and nails or whatever it is but I'm just I'll support her I'll go for it so my youngest is 18 and then my older one is 22 oh nice yeah and I'm just you know whatever they're passionate about you know I think they should go for it because it's not a regret because I I did want to um, raise my daughters and have a stable job but if if I knew what I knew now and I could go back I probably would have went the other way (laughs) you know what have you learned about yourself through motherhood or what has motherhood taught you raising raising two girls you know what I'm saying oh you can't be selfish uh, basically I mean it's just like sometimes it you know it can't be all about me anymore and mm. th- and so hence the thing about me DJing you know till four in the morning every weekend like mm-hmm, uh-uh, mm-hmm. I can't 
can't be all about me. I gotta take mm-hmm. care of her, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it, you know, that's the responsibility that parents should be responsible. And you know, I I wish I could have done it, but I don't have any regrets. Only that if my kids ever wanted to do something, you know, that's not your cookie cutter like stable job, I would still support them. I love it, and that's that's what makes a good mom too. Um, <laughs> I think, I mean, I'm not a father, I'm not, I'm not a parent, but I just think what makes a good parent is supporting your kids as because as your kids become adults, you know? Um, but just to know that their mom supports them, that means a lot. That means a lot to a kid, seriously. Oh, yeah. Um, and so now, like, okay, so... Um, <laughs> my... I don't know what has happened with this pandemic, but I do want to share that... You know, during the pandemic, I got at a really low point. Like it was just, it's just depressing for everybody. Yeah. And I, just like how we met through Twitch, I found the Twitch community, and yeah. um, I can't say enough with how much that um, um, having a community like that with the like minds of people for the love of music. Oh yeah. Has really like been an impact on the my our mental health on uh, feeling like a sense of belonging and then also like socializing because yeah. I mean, I, if it, I, I feel like mu- music saved my life and then the, the love of music and DJing, it kind of brought it back. It, it kind of brought it outside of me where I was like, wow, I think I need to, I think I need to tap into this again. Yeah. So that's what happened. It was like this whole like, um, what do you call it? It's, um, when you have an epiphany yeah you know and um it's always been there but i suppressed it and i suppressed it i said i was like you know what (laughs) it's time for it to come out yeah (laughs) and and so um i i i want to say um i'm a brand new learner back then um the scariest thing is when i dj i never talked on the mic i had an mc next to me and they would talk and get the crowd hype, you know, and all I had to do was spin music. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I see the Twitch DJs and it's very interactive. Like, you're on the mic. You are the ones, you know, commenting and um, talking to the audience. And that's something I've never, ever, ever done before. <laughs> so oh, that's you'll be all great. new. That's all new. And um, equipment-wise, so um, I do have Serato now. Um I didn't have a lot of money, but I went and bought uh, those portable Pioneer, um, those DDJ SB3, which is super portable. It's a controller um, to practice. And then I realized I didn't have the right laptop that would support it because I have an old MacBook Pro 2015. Um, I needed like, um, I don't know, an upgraded OS system or whatnot. So I'm slowly building my equipment um so i could get there and it's crazy it's crazy it's a big learning curve but yeah um oh my gosh if i knew if i had this equipment at my age back then oh man yeah yeah for <laughs> that'd real, be right? dope it'd be so dope you know it's like you're cheating there's there's a there's a sync button there you can cue <laughs> you can cue the songs like i'm just 
you've got built-in faders and it's just I don't I'm learning I need a mentor please if anyone's listening I need a mentor (laughs) you need a a mentor in in learning Serato's right um I, or just like the whole technology of this whole shit now. I, I think I got Serato a little bit, but I want to know how to effectively organize crates. Like I've learned to mm. download and stuff, but I want to organ- organize them right. And then I want to do transitions with the controller because there's only like a few ways I know how to do transitions um, old school on a mixer. But yeah. with a controller, there's like so many ways. And, um, you know, back then... I belong to a record pool. I used yeah. to go every month and buy a box of records for like 35 bucks and maybe only like 10 of the records would be dope and then the rest I'd want to recycle or throw out or sell. But now you can just um, download the MP3 files or, or share with other DJs and it's crazy. I mean, I just have to redo my whole entire music catalog and it's a lot of work. So it is going to take time to put things together but um you know when i'm not teaching full time and i'm on break i'll get to it nice let me ask you this as a dj even back then or even now even as even as a dj now or a a hip-hop head and a music head what makes a record what makes a song dope to you what makes a dj spin that shit like what you know what makes a song stand out to you guys I'm a little bit, I, you know, I think I, I have a, a little bit different taste and, you know, with all my girlfriends and we love our different genres, you know, um, uh, you know, it depends. Like I love hip hop, but then I also love freestyle and then I also love house music and, um, and I love classics. Um, but I, like I said before, I think I love the hip hop tied in with like, a melodic vibe mm-hmm. so like for example slum village mm-hmm. when they brought in john legend in there yeah, i yeah. love that you know selfish word up word yes up. that's one of my favorites so when when i when i i like having it both but you know there's krs1 you know <laughs> no she didn't yes yeah. so was it blondie is that her that's what they sampled uh, step, yes, step yes. into <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So, and I love EPMD. So, no, stop, girl, yeah. girl stop. <laughs> yeah, stop there now. Yeah, what's your favorite EPMD song? You got to chill. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, she did not. Yeah. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of EPMD, um, they're on the new Nas album. What do you think of the new Nas album? I'll be honest King's, with you, I didn't. King's I didn't Disease listen Part to it. Two. I didn't oh, listen no. to it. Yeah, uh, that's pretty bad. I okay, mean, it sounds up. bad, but I'm listen- I'm actually, and I heard your podcast with your tr- with your DJ uh-huh. um, before, but I'm actually listening to a lot of new music only because I have these daughters also, yeah. and I do have these students. So I am listening to a lot of mu- new music, which um, which I'm very open to. Like I I, I, I want to say I like it too. Uh, it's know. just it's just evolving. It doesn't mean it's better or worse than what we've had before because what we've had before will always be, you know, the 
actually it's not the classics too because if you really listen to hip hop it is sampled like crazy oh man it comes from jazz it comes from yeah, funk it comes exactly. from soul it yeah. comes from it comes from James Brown James Brown is hip hop we took so much from James Brown um oh yeah let me so you know it's just it's just evolving and it's so funny because when um when you listen to the music now and they will sample something that we know I always, when my kids hear it, I always like to say, well, do you know where they got this from? And then I'll show them the original and they're like, oh, okay. No doubt. And I'm going to yeah. put you on something like, um, I know you said you like dilated peoples. Uh, you should check out Evidence. You know, Evidence, you know, he's one of the members from Dilated. Mm -hmm. his, his new album is called The Unlearning. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. I think if you love Dilated, you're going to love this one. He's, this is that. He's, you know, he's a solo artist as evidence, but I think the way the beats sound on this one, it's mm -hmm. the closest it can get to sound like a, sounding like a Dilated People's album. Because okay. I, I always think his solo stuff sounds so different from Dilated, which is good. It's supposed mm -hmm. to, you know? Mm -hmm. But this one sounds like some vintage Dilated People's. Oh. Um, Nas, I think the new Nas album's dope. New Nas. Yeah, okay. it's called King's Disease 2. Because uh, there's, there's a part one. Part one was released, la I believe, last November. And this is like the second part. Uh, okay, let's talk music. I know you love Tribe. What's your top three Tribe out, uh, songs? You know, it's not one of their popular ones, but I like Find A Way. Nice, nice. That's one of their most popular ones. Like, you know what, though? If you look like on, I don't know, Spotify or Apple Music or whatnot, it's not one of the top ones. But for me, I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What'd you think of the last uh, Tribe album? You know, it was hard because I was, I was actually expecting the old town. Mm. So I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what did mm. you think? <laughs> I think that uh, first of all, I love how they got Five Dog in there involved, you know. And it was after Five died, so I always felt like this is a special album because he was still alive when they completed it. Um, Production-wise, you're right. It did not sound like the the classic tribe. But I think they were definitely trying to cater because look, the last time they dropped an album was 1998, The Love Movement. With that mm -hmm. song, Find a Way. It's been, yo, 1998 is a long time. <laughs> yeah. 2008, 2018. I think the last Tribe album dropped in 2016. So it was more than 18 years. I think the album definitely summarized the types of sounds they were trying to summarize these past 18 years that the tribe missed out on because it was kind of good to hear them sounding like 2016 you know mm -hmm. if that makes sense you know what i mean i'm glad yeah. that they didn't sound 1993 in 2016 yeah I'm you glad. know and and i know like i think i've heard a couple of your um podcasts too with that sound but yeah it's it's always like you know i i don't know what goes behind with that production um, and then, you know, people evolve too. Like maybe some people do want to hear how they originally sound. And then maybe some people want to hear something new. So yeah, it's always a risk. Huh? <coughs> what were you saying? You heard a couple of my podcasts with that sound? Um, no, I think I, I want to say talking about like... Tribe? Keep, keep, no, keeping it as your original sound. Uh, like, yeah. You know, like, your, like for you, your original, like what your original... Mm -hmm 
music or um, the beats that you have. You keep it original. Yeah. It's not like it's not like you're like doing this trap <laughs> hip hop beats with your rap. You know what I mean? Like for thank you. Like for example, right? I love how Tribe got Kendrick Lamar on that. I love how they got Outkast on that album. Um, I love how they got uh, Anderson Pack. So I felt like they were trying to bring in some of the artists that that needed to be in there to keep it relevant too. But you know, us Tribe fans, we love everything that they do. You know what I'm saying? Of course. Yeah. Um, let's talk. Okay, I'm gonna give you artist names. Tell me which one you prefer. Like who okay. makes better music? All right. These let's are talk. just my opinions. So. No, no doubt. I ask every hip hop head. Okay. This. Okay, so I know you love East Coast. All right. Yeah. Uh, Eric B. Uh, sorry, Rockham or Big Daddy Kane? Rockham. <laughs> All right. DMX or Busta Rhymes? Oh. Okay. Um. Busta Rhymes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Dope. You like Busta Rhymes better? Yeah. Let's go. Um. Okay. Top three. Me- okay. Top three members of the Wu Tang Clan. Um, top three? Yeah, who was your top three? Like, it's whether they stood out because they're all dope, but who stood out? Whether it was their, just their presence, their talent, because they can all rap, you know? Like, but who stood out in Wu Tang? I'll tell you mine after you go. Uh, you tell me yours first. <laughs> all right. I think ODB's number one. Oh, wow. ODB stood out. Um, he did. And I, he did. And, I just think number two is Method Man because I think mm-hmm. out of everybody in Wu Tang, he was the most commercialized, you know. Um, and I think the third one, I'm gonna say Ghostface. Yup. Wow. Well, you know how I told you I always like the female melodic mix with the music. Yeah. yeah. So I really liked Method Man because he did that. Um, Oh gosh, that song with, with Mary, Mary J. J. Black. Yes, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. So I really like Method Man. Um, I like RZA. Woo! Yeah. Go, go. Yeah, and I know I don't, I can't say a third, but um, I don't know. I can't say a third. I know I like those two. This is what I remember yeah. about the pandemic. But I do, I do like old, old dirty bastard. But it's just that one song. <laughs> uh, which one? <laughs> You know, I can't even remember the title, but it's uh, um Maybe I Got Your Money or I Like It Raw. I like it raw. Yeah. Dope, dope. <laughs> um Shiba Shiba. Yeah. Alright. Um Okay. What I what I want to talk about is like uh, the pandemic. Speaking of the pandemic, when it first started to happen, I remember it was raining like the first two weeks, it was raining hard. And when DJ Premier battled uh when DJ Premier battled RZA, I love how when Versus was happening in the beginning of the pandemic, I, for some reason, I love how it was just, it was like when you watch Versus now, it's like a big production, you know? But I kind of miss it how it was just through the phone and there was like technical difficulties. I like seeing it like that. And DJ Premier and RZA de- definitely gave us the best battle of Versus, you know? Um, when it, it was, was weird. Beginning. I think I caught a little bit of that on Instagram Live, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I caught a little bit of it, but you know, um, you know, versus what I like about it to me is like, I don't know. I just don't judge. I just want to hear, and I don't feel like one is better than the other. 
own their own like niche like they have their own style so it's kind of hard when they put up like those two together to me those are two different that's like apples and oranges to me to yeah, me yeah yeah but DJ premiere yeah yeah uh, let me see okay tribe called quest or de la soul I think I know what you're gonna say. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm gonna say try, but I love De La Soul. Mm. I love De La Soul. Um, and then I love um, Black Star, which is most Deaf and Talib Kweli. So you kind of are feeling the style direction that I'm going. Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of more on that end. But uh, Black speaking Star. Speaking of, speaking of, uh, most Deaf or Talib Kweli? Most Deaf. Damn. All right. Most deaf or common? Oh, I still like most deaf, but you know what? I gotta give it to common for longevity. Yeah. Common or Talib Kweli? <laughs> it's so sad, but I mean, common. I saw, I saw, I saw Talib Kweli live and everything. Yeah, but he's yeah. dope. He's dope. Talib Kweli is a great performer. Yeah. Uh, Beastie Boys or Run DMC? Run DMC. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's talk about West Coast. No, no, no. Let's talk about Too Short or E Forty. Oh, I, ooh, I don't Too Short. Oh, <laughs> yo, we're I don't know. Up, e, e, up, I, but but you know what? I feel like E Forty is like he's undervalued. I think he needs to get more props. Yeah, I think when it comes to longevity, I think it's a tie. Like people always say, people always say, uh, "Too short wasn't like that relevant towards the last decade." I'm like, you're bugging out, son. Like, uh, as far as longevity, it's a tie. Like they they are both real relevant today. Like, I, I just think they're still relevant to this day. Um, Redman or Method Man? Oh, I I still like Method Man. Oh my god, that's not even the West Coast. Okay, let's, let's no. talk about West Coast. Ice Cube or Snoop? Oh gosh, I feel like they're not the same category, but... But who did you play uh, with? Snoop. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> you goddamn right. You know what, you I damn actually... Right you know, as Snoop. a hip-hop head, I actually wanted to ask you your opinion. Because, I, uh, I mean, I have my opinions, but I want to know how you feel. What up, um, what up? How do you feel about Kanye West? His music? Yeah, just his music. Don't don't uh, take take his uh, whatever um, personal life out of it. <laughs> scandal and the scandal in personal life, right? Yeah, I think as a musician, he's still great. I I still support his albums. I still listen to his albums whenever he drops. Um, I think as the years went by, it's definitely not the same Kanye West sound. But every now and then, you could still hear parts of it coming back. Like it's not the same sound anymore. But that's good. That means. It's not supposed to stay the same. He's supposed to evolve, and I think he did. Um, I always thought he was a better rapper than a producer, even though some people say, nah, he's a better producer than rapper. So I think he's a talented MC. Like, he can rap for real. Um, Beats-wise, I think, like, the last two, three albums... He's experimenting a little too much. And every now and then, we just need some hip-hop shit, Kanye. <laughs> yeah. We just need yeah. some hip-hop shit. We just need to go back to what you do. Like, No, just... I, I I totally agree with everything you said 100%. Um, 
100 percent it's just that and and though i understand him experimenting is because you really got to think outside the box yeah so i mean i get it yeah but Um, yeah i totally agree jay-z and nas or or jay-z or nas uh, better rapper? Or who do you prefer? Who just I you prefer, as a DJ? I, I prefer Nas. Mm, that's interesting. You would think you would say Jay Z because I'm gonna be honest, I love Nas, but when it comes to the clubs, Jay Z got more shit than Nas. So that's what I'd want to say. If I was DJing, I would, I would definitely spend more Jay Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do, I do like a couple of his songs. So okay. Uh, I uh, okay. Snoop or the game? Snoop. All right, the game or Kendrick Lamar? Kendrick Lamar. Uh, all right, the dog pound or the alcoholics? Alcoholics. Wow. Um. All right, source of source of mischief or hieroglyphics? Hieroglyphics. Uh, she's a hip hop answer. <laughs> she's a hip hop man. Not uh, really. You know uh, what? Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not really like. Like I said, I dabble only. So I'm on the surface level. I dabble only because, like, like I said, I'm says, a consumer. She I like. She to loves click. EPMD, but she dabbles. I do. Girl, you you I can't dabble like. You know why? You know why? Because EPMD. Their album has. I gotta tell you, those be like it's rap, but you can rock those in the club, and like you can mix. Like people will dance to it. Like you can still probably throw in one of their tracks today, you know. I need you to put on your bucket hat right now. <laughs> I don't have a bucket hat, but I have Adidas no! tracksuit. How about that? No. Oh, you got gonna... <laughs> an Adidas Adidas tracksuit. Ladies and gents, when the when the when the when the woman says she fucks with EPMD and dilated, you got a real one, yo. You, it's just what, what, what? Okay, EPMD. Or dilated. Oof, I can't <laughs> answer that. I yeah, know. And, you know, and ladies, and I feel like EPD is a little older, and dilated is just like a couple years later. I don't know. And ladies and gents, there's no dilated without EPMD. There's no dog pound without EPMD. Like there's no mob deep without EPMD. They they originated the duo. You know, like. Well, that's and you not know, true. you just no, you just said something so important right now. And hmm. I, I know we're talking about hip hop, but same with R and B, like with New Edition and Boys to Men, it's the same oh, yeah. thing. So like, oh yeah, I think it really um, one like inspires or promotes the other, or oh, it, yeah. or or one doesn't can't come before the other one because you know it's that whole whole cause and effect thing. So like, yeah, you, I really can't say. All right. You know, but then speaking of Kanye, I'm mm. very surprised to mm. learn that he's behind. He has been behind many of the artists that I actually like, mm-hmm. and I'm not knowing that he was he produced or he was involved. Oh, so yeah. it's amazing to like Jay Z, Alicia Keys, Slum Village, like oh, yeah. Chance the Rapper. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, his production, like yeah, his oh, beats, yeah. yeah. And I, his a lot of his work with Jay Z really blew him up. A lot, a lot of like the work with Jay Z really got him out there, man. Um, okay, let's talk about the South. Outcast or UGK? Outcast for Ooh. sure. All right, Ludacris. Andre 3000. <laughs> Ludacris or Ti? 
that's kind of hard um i don't know why but i like tia dope you know what every every time i ask this question it's i get half half like some people say nah i fuck with luda like like and some people say nah i fuck with ti um all right scarface or 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 ludicrous they're not the same category to me i don't know yeah they're not like scarface came before so it's two different eras yeah but mm, just name one Scarface. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You don't fuck with Not 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 that I'm a ludicrous fan. I just um, put it this way. So when I think of hip hop, and you know, as a DJ, there's two kinds of hip hop. Well, the, the way I categorize it is there's your mainstream hip mainstream hip hop. Yes. And then there's kind of like your underground hip hop, where like yes. if I if I if I was spinning, you know, like um, some of the music that I like it wouldn't do well in the club because it was underground so to me ludicrous is a mainstream hip-hop and i and and i can play that and everyone in the club would be okay but yeah Luda you know what it's so yes. you know what i'm saying it's not that one is better than the other it depends on like i don't know your environment the audience or whatnot but i'm talking about me personally my taste that's my taste but that doesn't that doesn't you know that doesn't um transpire to what I'll put out there, you know, Bone there's thug, an audience. Bone thugs or outcasts? See, they're not the same to me. And I but, love Bone Thugs. But I, who would you play? Who would you who would you play? Just who would, I would you play? I would play Outcast because Bone Thugs is really hard to no dance doubt. to. No yeah. <laughs> but no doubt. I love no Bone Thugs. Doubt. I okay. love both. Let's talk about R&B. I know you love R&B, so I'm gonna give you some names and which one. Let me know which one you fuck with. All right, so Aaliyah or Mary J. Blige. Oh man, Mary J. Blige is the queen, but I love Aaliyah, so I'm gonna go with Aaliyah. Ah. Oh. That voice. Okay, 112 or Jagged Edge. <sighs> I like both, but 112. <laughs> but Jagged Edge. Um, I I think they're undervalued too. Oh they yeah. They deserve. They deserve props. Oh yeah. Babyface or Bobby Brown? You know, baby pa- Babyface is um, deserves it, but personally, I just like Bobby Brown. Yeah. All right, Usher or Justin Timberlake? Ooh, Usher. <laughs> nice, nice. Although, Usher. Mm-hmm. Although Justin Timberlake's uh, twenty twenty experience is really good. Rihanna or Beyonce? Ooh, I I like Rihanna. <laughs> All right, Neo or Robin Thicke? Neo. Nice. Robin Thicke or Justin Timberlake? They're different to me. <laughs> not really. I yeah. feel like some. I feel like Robin Thicke kind of bites. Uh, I don't not bite, but they sound similar sometimes. They do the same type of balance you know, sometimes. He, he has some hits, but. Uh, God, this is hard because you know I love melodic hit, you know, but um, Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Um, all right. Before I let you go, um, what's your top three advice for upcoming special ed teachers coming into this new era, 2021, especially post-pandemic? What what can what advice can you tell them? Um, number one is flexibility. Mm. you gotta go with the flow because um things can change at any moment you know Mm. flexible flexible with 
your students, flexible with administration and staff, flexible with parents. You know, you got to be able to adapt. Um, you can't be rigid and stick to one point either, even though like with autism, you have to have a strict schedule with you as a person, as an educator, you have to also keep um, evolving. So being flexible and then um, really brushing up on a lot of professional development. So, you know, keep on evolving, things change. So, so really like all those uh, trainings and PDs. Um, you know, what was weird is one thing you said was ladies and gents. And yeah. it's crazy because we had this training about um, students with diversity and gender um, identities. And it's just so crazy, Marlon, but we can't what? address we can't address our kids now. We need to know their pronouns. So it's it's not like he or she. It's gotta be them, they, there. It's like let, let me, crazy. Let, I'm gonna, the training I'm gonna, I had. <laughs> I'm gonna to talk to you offline. Okay, like, let me when we when we're done. I'm gonna to talk to you. I'm gonna call you back. I'm gonna to talk to you about that. Um, yeah. So, okay. Any advice? Okay, you said facts. Anything else? Yes. Um. Um. Advice is, you know, you gotta go in loving what you do because mm. the one thing I can't that does never works is a teacher educator that hates mm. their job. Mm. Hates their job, doesn't want to be there, is there for like the money. No, I mean, yeah. there's not a lot of money in it, but um, yeah, you got to love kids. You got to yeah. love your job. And then um, and then number three is like, be a team player, mm. uh, especially in special ed. You're going to be working close but with a school psychologist. You're going to be working, mm. working side by side with a lot of people as a team, mm. as an IEP team. You can't always like, you know, you, you, you gotta play as a team or you gotta work yeah. as a team yeah it's not a one one and, show and be yourself and take care of yourself I can't stress this enough if you don't do self care if you don't know what that is if you don't try to even make an effort for self care you will burn out and that's oh, your yeah. fault and that's your fault because you didn't yeah. take care of yourself you didn't you didn't put your self care you need that um, yeah, that is real. That is real because the that. burnout rate for this job, no one makes it past five years. It's mm. that's why there's always a position open. If the turnover is crazy, people quit within the first five years. To all my behavior therapists, yeah. <laughs> all my behavior therapists, to all my ABA therapists, all my teacher aides, all my respite workers, it's the same shit. You know what I'm saying? Just. Like, just because you're not a teacher, you still need that. You're still dealing with kids every day. And um, it's tough sometimes to not personalize anything. But, you know, you you have to take care of yourself, guys. It's You're going to need that for the rest of this career if you're going to get into this mental health field. Oh, yeah. And you education. did say something about personal. Like, you can't take it personally. You really have to. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, you can't. You can't. You have thick skin. Thick skin's really yeah. huge, you know. And you know, pa these parents mm. of these children, they are the most, I, mean, I don't want to say difficult, but they, they've been through a lot with their kid. Mm -hmm. Like, they've been through a lot. So, yeah. you know, they, they may want someone to blame or, Oh yeah, you know, facts, facts. Yeah, but you, you can't, have... you can't take it personally. Yeah. They're hurt, they're hurt and they have no one. Yeah. And, and, and they want to fix it. You know, it's not something yeah. that is always curable. And so they're looking to you and when they have no other hope 
and they need to vent and lash out, you're going to be the first one they're going to lash out on. Yeah. And for sure. you, and you need to vent. When, when that happens, yeah. and us, we need to remember, we need to vent. If we got to talk it out, we need to vent to our HR. We got to vent to our supervisor. We got to vent to someone else to make sure that, our, because that alone, just the fact that we're heard is enough for us to just get it off the chest. We, you guys don't know how much that how good that feels for us workers you know um don't bottle it in if you bottle it in you're not taking care of yourself you gotta vent it to someone um because if you do not it's definitely gonna come out in unproductive ways uh um so my last question for you uh what's your tips on parents that that's dealing with all these changes right now um, what's your tips? <laughs> you know, I, I feel like parents know their children best. I mean, if they want to hear from an educator, they, they know how their child learns best, you know? Mm -hmm. And like I mentioned, all the three modalities, I mean, some kids do best in person. They have to, they have to see people and mm -hmm. be with people. And I think that's one of the most important things for, and healthy for our immune system is to really... Um, see and be around people but then at the same time there are some parents where the kids work best you know um, at a computer because they can focus and they're, again they're not stressed out on um, what's happening socially around them or all the other like um, stimuluses that could be happening because you know you you take away those distractions so um, as a parent I, I feel like and it's not a one-size-fits-all it's just that each parent has to know their kid and then really support the kid and um, and their learning style because they all have different learning styles and that's what you discover when you have an IEP is their strengths and that's one thing I, I do as a special educator is I always capitalize on their strengths so when I find out they love art they love music they love drawing they love collecting stickers mm -hmm. you know they love this I will capitalize on that and I will take that and say hey you know what um we will work and do something with that yeah and it's like a reward system that. yeah so yeah you got to know what your what reinforces your kid and and what they like to do and then also consequences are really hard but um you know they should be fair and something not unrealistic i still have a hard time i'm dealing with my girls wanting to go out to the clubs you know during this <laughs> pandemic and they go on social media right yeah <laughs> They go on social media and they're seeing everyone partying, right? Everyone like skin to skin, oh no mask. God. Yeah, no mask, drinking shots, you know? And they see and, that. And they want they to they, they do that. Oh yeah. my gosh, they have so much FOMO. And it's like, you know, and, and they're, they're adult children now. But, you know, um, <laughs> oh they're adults. They're adults. Yeah, but okay, it's, so it's hard. <laughs> Actually, I have one more question. Uh, top three advice for all those young up-and-coming DJs that really want to pursue it and they want to do it now, especially during this pandemic. How, you know, is there a future for DJs during this pandemic? Oh my gosh, pandemic? yeah. Okay, they cool. So, they're so, what, what, first of all, a controller I got off of Amazon was like less than $299. Yeah, like, yeah. the equipment is uh, so much better now and um, advice is like, go for it and go for it 100%. And you know, I'm older right now. It's 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 harder for me. I mean, I am I'm not going to lie. Like 
like for example my eyesight i need to wear like some reading glasses just to look at <laughs> just to look at what um what i'm seeing on serato the music and uh, the controllers and you know it takes me a longer time it's a bigger learning curve and when you're young and you've got you know you learn fast and you've got those neurons firing in your brain you pick it up like that my daughter the other night i just showed her what to do she learned so much in one night i'm just gonna teach her <laughs> Hello? I think I lost you. <laughs> Jacqueline, can you hear yes, me? Yes, yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is how we're going to end this. Thank you so much for uh, taking your time, uh, taking time out of your day to do the interview, Jacqueline. I appreciate you. No problem. No the best underground hip-hop head teacher in SDI. She, <laughs> she fucks with EPMD and Dilated. Biatch. <laughs> they, they, they better recognize up in here. All right, word up. I'm going to hit you back. All right. Yeah. Okay. MD podcast. We did it. Peace. All right. Ladies and gents, once again, we're here with the lovely Miss Jacqueline, aka DJ Orchid. Um, so, I understand that you co-wrote a book during the pandemic that has to do with um, special distance, I mean, special uh, social distance learning during the pandemic. So, can you elaborate on the, the section that you wrote? Um, yes, so um, I'm a credited author for a book titled Best Practices for Distance Learning in Elementary Education During the COVID-19 Pandemic. Um, I wrote a chapter um, that touched a little bit on social-emotional learning, but really focused on applying how to um, help educators with distance learning using all types of platforms and um, just strategies um, to help them uh, during the remote distance learning. What are some of the major tips that you think parents need to know about social distance learning? Like, how can they provide support for their, for their children at the house? Any tips? Um, no, it's difficult to always have the child sit down in front of a screen. Um, but sometimes it's good to always check in and make sure they're actually focusing because the kids are savvy. They know how to minimize and close certain websites and pages and then go on to other ones. And it's, it's easy for them to distract themselves um, when they you know, have access to, to other websites besides uh, the one that they're attending with the teacher. Um, so the best way they can support them is to kind of make sure they're monitoring. Um, I know that's hard for parents that are working at home so when they do that, maybe just occasionally check in or um, be able to ask their child questions throughout the day, what they're doing. Nice. Um, with everything going on, do you think we're going to have to resort back to social distance learning? Um, I know that some people in the news today were saying that there, people were going to start doing sit-outs. Start doing sit-outs for all those who disagree with all the vaccination, like, do you think we'll have to resort back to social distance learning for 2022? 
Um, so this distance learning itself is different from social distance learning. Um, sometimes if the teacher doesn't give the classroom opportunity to socialize during that time, it's it could look like the teacher talking all the time and then the students just um, listening. Um, but yeah, with, with parents having choices because if, if they don't want their child uh, vaccinated but they want their child to have access to education, um, they will have to resort to some type of distance learning if that's the if that's how the the school is going to um, provide that level of service or um, that way of teaching if they cannot come on in person or on campus and if, as for the social emotional piece that part might be difficult um, because you know we are we are human beings and we need to see people. Um, it's hard to be um, isolated without without seeing people. So that's just going to be another ma major challenge. Um, we can foresee a lot of students needing more of the counseling, needing more um, more therapy. And so um, social, emotional distance learning and distance learning, two different things, but they do go hand in hand. It's like a cause and effect um, when it has to do with socialization. Yeah, parents realize that socializing could probably be the the more um, number one priority um, on their child's needs, and then secondary would be the reading, writing, math because um, you know just for their mental health. And where can people purchase the book? Where can people find the book? Um, so right now it's available online. Um, I co uh, wrote and am accredited author with. Um, the main author, her name is Pen Dr. Penelope Kehoe. Um, she's a professor at National University. Uh, the book can be electronically accessed through IGI Global, and um, it's available for college students or uh, teachers and student teaching um, wanting to reference or look at a resource um, for a specific type of book that deals with um, online learning, distance learning, and um, educating students during the pandemic. Um, I forgot to mention that it also touches on students um, in different populations, uh, specifically with uh, learning disabilities um, and also those that are English language learners. So there's some information on that too. Nice. Congratulations on your book. And um, let me see, any other shout outs before we end the interview? Uh, I do want to make a shout out to Professor Penelope Kehoe. Um, and then um, everyone in my school district in Chula Vista Elementary School District who um, work together as a team and have supported the special education program. So a lot of my RSP uh, colleagues and special ed um, collaborators. Nice. Good job. Yay, <laughs> empty podcast. We did it again. All right. Peace, peace. <laughs>